Well, good morning. Uh, good to see more of you uh, in the room. And, you know, hopefully our hope is as we move back to some uh, semblance of normalcy throughout the summer that we'll be able to uh, gather with more of you in worship. Uh, again, I know we've been saying it, but shout out to all the dads. I know some of you are new dads, uh, very recent new dads. And um, I can tell you it is uh, a wild ride, uh, but one of the greatest joys and one of the best um, ways that God sanctifies you uh, as a human being is through fatherhood. And so um, shout out to all the dads. Happy Father's Day. Um, as always, I have the privilege of bringing us God's word. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 22 to 33. If you can choose your translation, we're going to be looking at the NIV. Okay, Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 22 to 33. This is the reading of God's word. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a, on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. Um, I want to say a quick uh, word of welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Uh, we miss you. We hope to worship with you uh, soon. Um, for those of you here, you know that we are in a series right now called Unlearn and Relearn. And we're doing this series uh, all summer long, and each week we're basically taking one specific habit, uh, practice, mindset, um, that we need to release, that we need to let go of, so that we can replace that with another habit, practice, or mindset that allows us to live the life Jesus intended us to live. If you remember last week, uh, we kicked off this series with a sermon entitled, From Busyness to Presence. And we looked, at this, uh, we looked at the story of Mary and Martha, and we talked about what it looks like to let go of this incessant need to be busy, to do, 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 to perform, to go, 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 and to replace that uh, with a heart of being fully present with God and with other people. Well, today, uh, the, the title of today's sermon is called From Fear to Faith. Okay, we're unlearning fear and we're relearning faith. Okay, now let's talk about fear. Um, fear is a universal emotion. 
Fear is one of our most vital survival instincts, right? Fear is what keeps us from walking uh, into oncoming traffic. Uh, fear is what keeps us from picking up that snake. Fear is what keeps us uh, from leaving our car doors open at night. So we need fear, okay? Um, you know, fear, uh, you know, nothing gets a person's attention. Nothing kind of tightens our focus like fear does. Now, obviously, uh, some fear is irrational and unwarranted. Uh, my wife, uh, those of you who know her, uh, knows that she is deathly afraid of cockroaches, okay? Um, I, I don't know why I do this, but I play these hypothetical games with her all the time where I say, you know, would you eat a cockroach to save my life? And, and she uh, says, no, absolutely not, 100%, no. Um, I said, would you, what about just the leg? Just the leg of a cockroach. She says, absolutely not. You know, uh, she says, you're saved. I'll see you in heaven. Um, I got the kids. Don't worry about it. Um, and it's an irrational fear. It doesn't make any sense because uh, she, uh, the cockroach is a lot smaller than she is. Uh, the cockroach obviously can't really hurt her. And yet she will literally begin to convulse, like her body will begin to convulse if she sees a cockroach uh, anywhere in her vicinity. Now, obviously, uh, some fears are warranted. Um, I would say in these past 17 months, we have seen all of our deepest fears realized and all packaged together at the same time. Fear of sickness, fear of death, fear of uncertainty, um, all of it together, right? Um, we have uh, a virus that has claimed the lives of 600,000 people in the U.S. alone. We have riots. You had violence. You had political instability. You had uh, unemployment, social isolation. And you have all these things, again, hitting us at the same exact time. Right? We live in a world right now where, I mean, it's crazy to think that parents are legitimately afraid sending their kids to school. In 2021 alone, we've had uh, almost 300 mass shootings in our country. I want you to let that sink in. We live in a world where it's very easy and I would say understandable to be afraid. Now, for some of us, our fears are unconscious right? They're psychological. We don't even know that they're there. Fear of failure, fear of being alone, fear of not being loved, a fear of disappointing those you love. And I would say uh, sometimes uh, what we don't even realize is that all of these fears are driving every single thing that we do. Um, you know, they say that if you really want to get to know a person, don't ask them what they like. Ask them what they're afraid of. If you ask a person what they're afraid of, I guarantee you, you will understand why that person is the way that they are. Because again, nothing, nothing grabs our attention in life, nothing tightens our focus in life than the things that make us afraid. And if this year has taught us anything, it's that as much as fear can help us survive, fear can also cripple us. Fear can also keep us from living the life Jesus intended us to live. Isn't it very interesting that the most repeated phrase in all of the Bible is not, I love you. It's not, God is good. It's fear not. Fear not. 
is the most repeated phrase in Scripture. And I think it's telling us something. It's telling us that human beings, in our very nature, we are fear-driven creatures. And we see this in our text today. It's this familiar story of Jesus walking on water. And uh, let me set the stage for you, okay? Um, This story uh, occurs immediately after Jesus has performed one of the greatest miracles uh, recorded in the Gospels, when he feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And in fact, Matthew makes it a point to actually say immediately. He starts this story off with immediately. And I think Matthew is trying to get us to see that these disciples, though they have just seen Jesus do the impossible, immediately they're right back in their place of greatest fear. And isn't this how human beings work? God will do the most amazing things in our lives. God will perform the greatest miracles. God will provide for us and our families our entire lives. And all of a sudden, all it takes is one thing to happen. We lose that account at work, and all of a sudden, our world is ending. We break up with that guy or girl, and all of a sudden, that means we're going to be single forever. Right? This is how fear works, and all of a sudden, we stop thinking about all the things God has done throughout the course of our lives, and all we can see is what's happening in the moment. And this is what's happening, into, this is what's happening with the disciples. Immediately, they've just seen the impossible And yet here they are sitting in a boat with the winds blowing, with the waves crashing against them. And all they can think about is, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. How are we going to get out of here? And it says they are terrified with fear. And in fact, they're so afraid that they can't even recognize Jesus when he shows up. It says in verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Sometimes fear has such a grip on our lives that we don't even realize that God is standing right next to us. Now, I want to point out something very interesting that you may have missed in the text, okay? Uh, Who put the disciples on this boat and who sent them out into this storm? It's not the devil like you might suspect. If you read what it says, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Jesus sent them out into the water alone. And you know when Jesus chooses to show up? It says there in our text, right before dawn. In some translations, it says, in the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch of the night is the last watch. It's the roughest watch. It's the watch that happens from about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Now, obviously, Jesus wasn't in his own boat. He wasn't on any timetable. He could have shown up at any watch. Could he have shown up at the first watch, the second watch, the third watch, especially if he knew his disciples were afraid, especially if he knew the storm was raging? But no, it says he shows up in the fourth watch of the night. Why does Jesus wait until the last possible moment to appear. So do you see what's happening? Jesus not only sends them in the boat alone, Jesus not only sends them into the storm, knowing that they're going to be confronted with their deepest fears, but he waits until the last possible moment to appear. Why? And we see this pattern all throughout the Bible. 
we see Jesus, whenever it comes uh, to, to uh, taking care of the people he loves, he always likes to take his time. There's a story in John chapter 11 when one of Jesus' closest friends is sick and he's dying, Lazarus. And the story goes is that Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick and dying. And it literally says in the text, because he loved Lazarus and his sisters, he purposely stayed where he was for two more days. Because he loved them, he didn't drop everything and go right away. He waited two more days. Why does Jesus allow us to wait? It's because waiting gets us uncomfortable. And Jesus is not always about our comfort. He's about our transformation. He's about our renewal. And Jesus knows that often it's in our discomfort that we are confronted with our deepest fears. You can't overcome your fears unless you know what they are. You will never know that you have a fear of failure unless you have to fail a lot. You will never know that you are afraid of what other people think unless you are constantly put in situation after situation when you have to say things that are unpopular, that say things that make you disliked by other people. And Jesus knows this. He's about changing us from the inside out, and he knows that sometimes we have to sit in our discomfort. We have to sit with our deepest fears. Jesus allows his disciples here in this moment to be confronted with the full magnitude of what they're afraid of. And you know, when we read the story, what happens with the disciples is exactly what you would think would happen. They react exactly the way you would think people who are afraid react. They get super irrational. They start seeing things that aren't there. They say, look, it's a ghost. And isn't that what happens to us, right? This is a perfect image of what happens to us when we get into our heads and we, when we get into our deepest fears. We start creating scenarios that don't exist. We start creating hypothetical situations like, you know, sometimes I'll go home, oh my goodness, why did I say what I said? I shouldn't have said what I said. Because now that I said what I said, they think I'm weird. And if they think I'm weird, they're going to tell all their friends that I'm weird. If they tell all their friends that I'm weird, um, I'm not going to have any friends. Oh my goodness, my birthday's coming up. No one's going to be at my birthday. I'm going to be alone on my birthday. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. This is, this is literally the rabbit hole we take when we talk about our fears. We create irrational things that don't exist. Our fear eats us alive. And so Jesus needs to bring his disciples first to the place of their greatest fear in order to teach them the heart of true faith. Maybe you're here today and you're going through some very difficult circumstances. Maybe you are navigating um, some huge challenges in life that are forcing you to sit with the things that you fear most and want you to know that you may be right in the center of what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. So what do we need to unlearn fear? And what do we need to replace that with? What do we need to relearn faith? Well, what does faith look like? And I want to make some quick observations in the text. Uh, first thing I want you to notice is what Jesus says to Peter when he calls out to him in the boat. So after he tells the disciples, do not be afraid, Peter cries out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. That's it. 
No other instructions. He just says, come. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, uh, I know you haven't done this before. It's kind of hard. You're going to need to put your right foot into the water. It's kind of deep there. Uh, you know, heal in first. This is, this is going to be really difficult. He just says, come. He doesn't, give them any, he doesn't give them any instructions. He doesn't tell them how. He just says, come. Don't worry about the details. Don't worry about how you're going to defy the laws of physics. I just want you to come. And this is telling us something so important about faith. That true faith is often knowing where you're going, but not how you're going to get there. Put another way, true faith is more about direction than it is about details. Now, let me, let me explain it like this. Often, when we are confronted with our deepest fears, we want God to tell us all the details. Let's say uh, you're sitting, you haven't had a job in months. A lot of times we say, okay, God, you promise you're going to provide for me. How are you going to do that? Do you want me to switch, switch industries? You know, how long am I supposed to be in this? Where should I live? Do I need to move? Do I need to go back to school? I don't know if I should have a career change right now. We want all the details, and a lot of times God just says, come. He just says, come. Um, last week, I got to officiate uh, a wedding uh, where my daughter Avery was the flower girl. And that's, uh, I've gotten to do one other wedding like that, and that's always really special. And, you know, I feel, I always feel bad because I'm focusing more on my daughter walking down the aisle than I am on the bride walking down the aisle. Um, but it was a beautiful wedding. Uh, my daughter practiced for it uh, all week long. You know, she felt like she got it. She was practicing in our living room, uh, back and forth, back and forth. We get to the wedding venue, and uh, she sees, like, it's, it's the most, like, magnificent venue, this beautiful decor. She sees all the seats laid out, and she's like, Daddy, is that, is that where I'm going to walk? And I was like, yep, that's, you know, that's what you've been practicing for. She's like, how many chairs is that? I was like, I, I don't know. She's like, how many people are going to be there? I'm not sure. She's like, is someone going to walk with me? No. Um, are there going to be cameras? Probably. Is everyone going to be staring at? And she was, it was question after question after question. And I, I could literally see her body tense up. And this is what happens when we get confronted with our fear. We start asking questions about the details. And I said, Avery, 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 daddy's going to be in the front. You don't need to worry about anything else going on. Just look at me and walk toward me. That's all you need to know. Just look at me and walk toward me me. And it's essentially what Jesus is implying here when he says, come. That's all the instruction you need. You don't need all the details. I know you have all these questions. I know you feel uncertain. I know you don't know what tomorrow holds. Just look at me and come. You, you know, when I first stepped in as the lead pastor of this church two years ago, I, I can tell you I was afraid. I had so many fears. I had zero experience leading a church, certainly a church of this size. I had zero experience preaching on a week-to-week -week basis. Up to that point, I had maybe preached 20 sermons in my entire life. And now they're telling me, you're going to be preaching every Sunday. And I had a lot of questions. Every night I prayed, I said, God, is this what you really want me to do? Is this what you're calling my family to do? Is everyone going to leave? 
You know, how are, how, you know, how am I going to finish school? How am I going to learn all the, how am I going to learn how to manage people and preach and do all these things I've never done before? And I felt like in those moments, God never answered any of those questions. And he just said, come. He said, come. This is what I've called you to do. Come. Today, I imagine many of us find ourselves gripped in fear. Some of you parents are getting ready to send your kids back to school and you, your, your mind is probably racing with things that could go wrong. You know, my kid has been out of school for an entire year. She was extroverted. Now she's introverted. She's going back to school. All these strangers. Is she going to get sick? You know, what, what about who, who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated? All these questions. Jesus says, come. Maybe you're at work and you're like, oh my, I don't know if I'm the weak link at work. I don't know if I'm good enough. I have imposter syndrome. I don't know if I deserve to be here. Jesus says, come. Isn't it too late to have a career change in my 30s? I mean, does this mean I have to go back to school? I'm so far behind. I don't want to start from the bottom. Jesus says, come. Faith isn't about knowing all the details. It's about coming to the one who calls you. Now, the second thing I'll point out here is that faith doesn't make your fear go away. I find it very interesting that Peter gets out of the boat and he takes a step out in faith and it says the wind is still blowing. He sees the wind. You would think once Peter, once Peter takes that step out in faith, you would think Jesus would calm the waves, but he doesn't. It says Peter looks and he sees the wind. They're still blowing. The storm is still happening. You know, uh, I think a lot of times we think that following Jesus takes away our fear. No, following Jesus just keeps us from being enslaved by it. Um, you know, I don't know that I will never be 100% unafraid of what people think about me. It is a struggle that is so deeply embedded into who I am, into my story, that there's a part of me that feels like I'm going to be battling this until the day I die. But I know that in Christ, I don't have to be a slave to that fear. That, that fear doesn't have to cripple me. You see, Peter is walking on water just fine until he takes his eyes off Jesus. That's the moment he begins to slip. That's the moment he begins to stumble. That's the moment he begins to sink. He's walking on water just fine with the wind blowing, with the waves raging until he takes his eyes off Jesus. And this is what we do. Sometimes we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start fixing our eyes on our immediate circumstances. Immediate circumstances and it's only then that we start to sink. Peter, if he just kept going... And he stopped thinking about, oh my goodness, I should not be able to do what I'm doing right now. Uh, you know, not only is the storm raging, I'm pretty sure this is physically impossible to do. It's when he starts to ask himself those questions, when he starts to fixate on the situation instead of on Christ, that he starts to sink. You know, you and I are our worst enemies. We have this habit of constantly sabotaging ourselves. We are doing what God, we know God is calling us to do. We are where God wants us to be. Everyone in our lives tells us, they affirm us, this is what you should be doing. And all of a sudden, 
We, one thing happens and we start second-guessing ourselves. One thing happens and we start sinking. One thing happens and we start to take our eyes off of Jesus. Faith isn't about avoiding fear. Faith is about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of fear. Okay, so what do we need to unlearn fear? What do we need to relearn faith? Well, how do we do this? How does the gospel help us to unlearn fear and relearn faith? You know what's really interesting about this story? It's not the way that I would want this story to go. Uh, This is how I would want this story to go. Uh, Jesus' disciples get into the boat. They find themselves pitch dark, craziest storm, right? And Jesus shows up out of nowhere. He calls Peter. Peter's like kind of scared, but he gets out of the boat, takes one step forward, takes another step forward, and just starts walking on water, right? I imagine everyone's just watching this scene in awe. Peter gets to Jesus. They give each other a hug. Jesus is like, well done. Let's go back to the boat. They get back to the boat, and everyone starts celebrating Jesus. But that's not what happens at all. Uh, The beginning part is correct, right? They're in the boat, pitch dark, crazy storm. The ending is correct. They get back into the boat and everyone starts worshiping Jesus. It says everyone was proclaiming, truly, you are the son of God, but nothing in the middle makes sense. Why would you praise God? Why would you celebrate when Peter fails the test? Why are you back in the boat worshiping Jesus when Jesus' follower, you just watched him sink. He failed. If I am an AP physics teacher and all of my students fail the AP test at the end of the year, no one is celebrating me. I'm not a good teacher. And yet what we see here is the complete opposite. Jesus actually says to Peter when he starts sinking, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He calls out Peter for his lack of faith, and yet they get back into the boat, and everyone's worshiping Jesus as a son of God. And it makes you wonder, maybe this isn't a lesson about Peter's faith at all. Maybe faith isn't about our ability to make it to Jesus. Maybe faith is simply knowing that Jesus is close enough to catch us when we fall. I want to say that again. Maybe Faith isn't about our ability to make it to Jesus. Maybe faith is simply knowing that Jesus is close enough to catch us when we fall. If you remember how I started this sermon, I said that Matthew makes it a point to say immediately Jesus sent his disciples in a boat, right? He makes it a point to show us that immediately after Jesus' disciples watched Jesus perform one of his greatest miracles, they find themselves in the place of greatest fear. Well, that, that word immediately shows up multiple times in this passage. Once in verse 31. And it's when Peter starts sinking and he yells out, Lord, save me. And it says, immediately, Jesus reached out and grabbed him. Immediately, the disciples found themselves in a place of greatest fear. And when Peter said, Lord, save me, it says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. As quickly as we turn from Jesus, Jesus is quick to catch us when we fall. 
Let's be honest. Peter has no business walking on water. His legs aren't built for it. His heart isn't built for it. He's fragile, he's weak, and he's scared. Let's be honest. You and I, we can't walk on water. Our legs aren't built for it. Our heart isn't built for it. Every day, we find ourselves gripped in fear, anxiety, and worry. But you see, if this story tells us anything, it's this. Our confidence is not in our ability to walk perfectly. Our confidence is in knowing that when we fall, he is close enough to catch us. And do you know how we know this? Later on in Matthew's gospel, there's another moment when Jesus finds himself in the fourth watch of the night. Except in this moment, he's not in a lake, he's in a garden. And he's crying out to God because he's terrified and he's alone. You You and I will never know the kind of fear Jesus felt that night. Because that night, he was fearing the cup, the cup of God's wrath. And he said, Lord, he said, Abba, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let me take it, but not the cup. And he gets silence. He's terrified. He's alone. And Jesus has to just take that take that step out in faith, and he begins to walk, except he's not walking into the arms of his father. Jesus is walking to the cross. And Jesus marches straight up to Calvary, where he takes upon his own body everything you and I could possibly fear in this life. Death, shame, condemnation, uncertainty. He takes it all, and he dies with it. Why? So that you and I would know in our places of greatest fear that God is near to us and he's always close enough to catch us when we fall. You see, Jesus is the proof that on the other side of our fears, on the other side of the lake, on the other side of the storm, you just might find the fulfillment of God's promise in our lives. Friends, do you believe this morning that Jesus is close enough to keep you from sinking? Do you believe this morning that Jesus would never have called you to the other side unless he would give you everything you needed to get there? This is grace. Ephesians 2.8 says this. It says, for by grace, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Even the faith we need to get to the other side is a gift given to us by grace. I know that many of us sitting here today and many of us joining us at home are crippled in fear right now. We, are, we, are, we have so many things running through our minds. We have so many worst-case scenarios about what tomorrow holds. But I will tell you this, true faith is not about having the strength to fight our fears. It's not about how strong your legs are. It's about trusting in the strength of the one holding on to you. It's not about having the strength to make it on our own. It's about trusting in the strength of the one who is holding on to you, the one who will never let you go, the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I want you guys to transport your minds back to last March. Do you remember how afraid we all were? You had people lining up at Costco at 4 a.m. buying toilet paper, more toilet paper they needed than their entire life, right? You had, you, you know, there were, there were things happening that were outside of your control. We were so afraid. We were afraid for our families. We were afraid for this church. We were afraid for our city, our nation, our world. We thought everything was imploding. And it's not that we haven't had to walk through loss or grief or pain in this season. It's not that our fears ever went away. But I really hope you can look back on this past year and this morning be reminded that Jesus never let you sink. Even in the worst storms, even when we were confronted with our deepest fears, he was always close enough to catch us when we fell. So this morning, I want to close with this promise found in Romans 8. And I hope we can take this with us as we overcome our fears, not because of our own strength, but because of the one who holds on to us. It's from Romans 8.38, says this, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is our hope this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we are fear-driven creatures. And this year has exposed that. Uh, so many of us have been afraid to, to, to walk outside our homes. Um, we're, we're afraid for our families, for our livelihood. And, it, and it's understandable because the circumstances have been rough. We've experienced challenges that, that were at once unimaginable. Oh, Lord, we're reminded this morning that true faith is not having those fears go away. True faith is fixing our eyes on the one who is close enough to catch us when we fall. Lord, I, I feel like there are many people in our congregation right now who are afraid to take the next step, whether it's uh, afraid of failure, whether it's because they're afraid of disappointing uh, someone in their life, whether it's afraid of the expectations that have been placed on them. And we're afraid to live the life you've called us to live. We're afraid to let go of things. We're, uh, we're afraid to release habits that harm us. We're afraid. But I pray this morning that we would be reminded that you walked in faith with your eyes fixed on the cross so that we wouldn't have to be afraid today so that we would know that you are near to us, that you stand with us wherever we go, that in our pain, in our grief, in our loss, in those moments when it's pitch black and the wind is blowing and the waves are raging against the boat, that we would know that you're right here next to us. Thank you, Lord, for this word. As we step out in faith, as we move forward, uh, we still don't know 
exactly what tomorrow holds. We still don't know how all of this is going to end. We still don't really know what, quote, normal looks like. But we pray this morning that we would trust in the one who has the strength to hold us when we fall. We thank you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.